start the launch sequence. Are your kids ready for life after school? Let's get them ready. Hello everyone, hope you're doing well. Welcome in once again to the launch sequence where today, yes, today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the central ideas of a true launch sequence. This is a big one that you don't want to miss, so stick around for this one. I'm Bill Priestley, so glad you could be here, and I'm excited to talk about this with you today because we're finally at a point where we can start to look at a solution to the problem of helping a young person figure out what it is that they want to do with their lives and move towards achieving that goal. Again, I hate saying this, but a lot of this stuff is cumulative. So if you have not heard the podcast leading up to this one, you'll want to understand the reasoning and the methodology behind what I'm about to go into, especially the part about why we're talking about this as a child's decision for the most part, as opposed to an adult's decision as to what they want their kids to do. There are a lot of different theories about concepts like career discernment or career choice, why people do what they do. What I'm going to present to you is my own theory. So if you go back and listen to the previous podcast, you'll get an idea of the roots of the theory and where it comes from. What we need to first understand is the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Daniel Pink wrote a great book called Drive, in which he outlined the three different types of motivations that humans experience. The first is primal, those things that you do to survive. Such things include eating, sleeping, reproducing. You get the picture. It's about survival. You have to keep doing these things to continue your life or continue the species, if you will. The second kind of motivation is extrinsic motivation, or what he calls carrot versus stick motivation. In other words, there's some sort of an effect or response to a given decision. For instance, if I do my homework properly and I turn it in on time, I'm not going to get grounded. If I decide not to obey the speed limit, I could very well get a ticket. In other words, there is a response or reflection of what the decision does for you. The good things that happen that we want are called the carrot, and the bad things, the warnings, if you will, are called the stick, much like the farmer with the horse. The horse gets the carrot for being good and gets the stick when they misbehave. Then we get to intrinsic motivation. These are the things we do that there is no effect or kickback or consequence to our actions. Like if you live alone and you clean your apartment or house, no one's going to pay you for that effort. You were intrinsically motivated to do that yourself. But Pink goes a few steps further and outlines three different types of intrinsic motivation, three reasons we will do something for no positive or negative consequence whatsoever. The first of these is autonomy. And this is the process of thinking about something the way you want to think about it. Those of you that have been in a relationship might encounter a scene where your significant other tells you to go to the store with a list of things to get. Fine, no problem. But when you get to the store, you decide that you don't get the items in the order that they were written down. No, you decide you're going to go around the store clockwise because this will make for a different experience. And it's one that you want and, frankly, one you can control. That's you expressing your own autonomy, your ability to think about a situation the way you want to. You might have been told in a school that you need to approach problems from one perspective, but you wanted to do it a different way. That's you expressing your own desire for autonomy on the situation. 
The second leg of intrinsic motivation is mastery. This is best described as when you decide you want to do a puzzle by yourself. You put the pieces together, and as you get closer to the end of the puzzle, you might find yourself wanting to finish it to master it, if you will. This is the same kind of motivation you'll see in professionals that want to get better at what they do. The violinist Itzhak Perlman was once asked how long it took him to master the violin. He replied that he has never mastered it, but that he always strives to get better. Again, there's no kickback or payment or consequence to wanting to master a skill or a puzzle. The final leg of intrinsic motivation, and probably the most obvious one, is purpose. Having a higher purpose to a specific action. Say, for instance, you're driving down the road and you come upon a wreck that has just happened. You stop your car. You get out. You see if everybody's okay. You call 911 if there's an emergency. No one's going to run up and give you a check for trying to help someone that might need it. It's the same feeling that People kind of get during the holidays when they can donate money to a cause that helps other people, that they have a purpose to help others. So autonomy, mastery, and purpose, three things that qualify as intrinsic motivation. So let's go back to that question we started with at the very beginning. What do you want? What we are looking for here initially are the things that have intrinsic motivational quality within those spheres of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Except we never really say those words, but we can characterize them differently. For instance, when you use autonomy, you're doing it over a concept or a process. When you're mastering something, it's a skill, maybe something you can do. When you're exercising a purpose, you are doing something for an entity outside of yourself. But we can confine these concepts to things we also deal with on a daily basis. For instance, if you're expressing autonomy, you're expressing interest. You are thinking about things that are intellectually stimulating as opposed to things that are boring and moot. If you're experiencing a desire for mastery, it's in an action or series of actions, things that you do that you have a desire to drive you physically. And if you're working with purpose... You're working for another entity, perhaps one person, perhaps a group of people that is outside of yourself, an audience, as it were, those people that would be impacted by your action. Now, let me back up for a second here, because you might be thinking, how on earth is that going to end up in the form of a job or a career? Follow me here. Every basic job description, not job title, every basic job description on the planet is the combination of a noun and a verb. The noun is the context of the job. The verb is the skill or the set of skills required. For instance, math teacher. Math is the noun. Teaching is the verb. Football coach. Football is the noun. Coaching is the verb. This all works with jobs that only have one term, for instance. An oncologist is someone where the noun is cancer, and the verb is to fix, treat, or diagnose. A plumber is a flow technician, the noun being fluid logistics, essentially, or flow, the verb showing their technical expertise. However, if you look closely, these aren't just nouns and verbs, they're interests and abilities. Now follow me here. The noun, or interest, is something that is, for lack of a better word, interesting to you. In other words, you want to know about it. You want to read about it. You want to watch videos on it, talk about it, be aware of it, be mindful of it, should it appear. An interest is something that gets your attention. 
i.e., you want to exercise autonomy here and try and get a handle on what this concept is and how you can understand it, how you can manipulate it to your benefit. It's the subject matter that you want to delve into, discover, and use to your benefit. The verb, or ability, can be something that you want to master, a skill that you want to get better at, something you can do or something you want to do well. It's something you don't mind practicing. In fact, you might want to practice it. Got a free minute? Could you go work on getting better at that thing that you want to do? Think about that for a second. A career in an industry that really interests you, doing a job or a task that you really want to do and you want to get better at. But it doesn't stop there. There, of course, is the concept of purpose, working for something outside of yourself. That is also intrinsically motivating. Let's give you an example of using our math teacher. If you wanted to become a math teacher, describe your ideal student. Would they be in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, graduate school? Would they be in adult education, military education, English as a second language, remedial, gifted? What about their geographic location? Would they be from a big city or a small town, inner city or suburb? Would they be from an affluent socioeconomic group or a poor socioeconomic group or somewhere in between? What we are defining here is your audience, the people you want to work with and the people you want to work for. These are the people you are drawn towards, and in many cases, they are drawn to you because you have the interest and skill to deal with the problems they have. That's purpose. Working with or for someone else, and in that someone else, that group, is your audience. So when you look at it, think of it like a triangle with the base leading up to a point. On that base, you have the interest on one side and the ability on the other together to form a job. And then the audience is at the peak of that triangle, showing where your interests and abilities are focused. Think about this for a second. When we ask things like, what kind of career do you want or what do you want out of a job? We tend to think of those answers as singular. Maybe it's an emotion like, I want to be content or happy or challenged. But when it comes to actually naming a job or a simple idea of what we want to do, we're not looking for one thing. Now, if you get that question, what do you want to do with your life? And you say, well, I want to write, or I want to build, or I want to counsel. Well, those are just verbs. You might say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you might say, well, I want to be a writer, or I want to be a builder, or I want to be a counselor. Again, those are just nouns. We haven't really gotten the entire collection here. We've got to get something that is an interest plus an ability. You need a context and you need a skill at the same time. And then you add an audience with that. In other words, who is it that you want to work with or who is it that you want to work for? So we're not looking for one thing. We're looking for three things. We're looking for a job that stimulates us intellectually in our interest in the subject matter. We're looking for a job that drives us physically in that we want to do better at a certain skill that we love doing. We were looking for a job where we serve people with which we have a connection that gives us purpose in our lives. That's a dream job to have all three of those things in one career. It's doing something you love in an industry you love for the people you love. Those are the keys to building a successful launch sequence, no matter how young or young at heart your kids or you might be. This is the fuel you need to get off the ground, a goal that you want to achieve. And if you're fortunate enough to find one of these careers for you, 
they are unbelievably difficult to walk away from. In the next episode, I'm going to go through some very basic ideas about how you can identify these dream jobs. And yes, everyone has more than one. In fact, we all very well might have many. But what I want to concentrate on here for our children's sake is that this is the formation of not what you want them to do for a career, but what they want to do. We really can't make our children be more interested in something no matter how hard we try. We can't force our children to be better at something if they don't want to be better at it. Yes, you might make some progress, but if the want just isn't there for them, the progress is going to be limited. Mike Rowe, the host of the Discovery Channel show Dirty Jobs, once remarked about a conversation he had with his grandfather. That man was a jack-of-all-trades. It seemed like he could fix anything. Pipe fitter, steam fitter, plumber, you name it. However, it was apparent to the grandfather that the young Roe might not have what is needed to get into the same line of work. The grandfather told his grandson something profound that is really worth listening to when you're a parent of a teenager or young adult. He said, you were born with a different toolbox. You were born with a different toolbox. Sometimes, Kids follow exactly in their parents' footsteps. Buddy Velastro, the current owner of Carlos Bakery and the subject of the show Cake Boss, did exactly that. He learned the tricks of the trade by becoming a master baker from his father, who was also a master baker. There's no doubt that if you watch that show, Buddy really enjoys what he does and takes great pains to follow in his father's footsteps. He is not alone. There are certainly others that want to follow in their parents' footsteps as well. Most of the time, though, Especially now, kids are getting different toolboxes, sometimes just because they're being born into different worlds than we experienced. If you grew up in the analog age, they're growing up in the digital age, and the methods and practices that they use and hone are very different from the ones we used in our formative years. And I'm not just talking about technology, but a way of life. They're introduced to the outside world at a much more rapid pace, and all the good and bad that comes with it. But what comes out of it is a different set of interests, and it's going to be very different for every child, just as they have different skill sets or different toolboxes. They'll grow out of different points of inspiration. They'll meet different people, even people on the other side of the world, which gives them many more and different opportunities for capturing purpose in their lives. That's where our job comes in as parents in helping them prepare for life after school and in helping them identify those things and forming jobs that can give them, hopefully, an amazing professional career. And we'll jump into how we can do that in the next two episodes. Thanks for joining us here in the Launch Sequence. Again, lots more information headed your way. And a quick reminder, please, to send this to a friend or two and give us a review whenever you download your podcasts. I always appreciate the support that you give us there as well. Till then, Bill Priestley quoting Mark Twain, who once famously said, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. I'll see you next time. The Launch Sequence is the official podcast of the Dream Job Factory. For more information, check out our website at dreamjobfactory.com where you can view all of the tools we have to help your child identify a life path. You can also sign up for our newsletter to get the latest podcasts and information in the career discernment space for young people. We also invite you to join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thedreamjobfactory. 
This has been The Launch Sequence, giving your kids the keys to launch their careers.